Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. AHOP TV empowers believers with spirit-inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences, and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. Get ready to take notes because this message, a word from God, is coming directly to you right now. Sometimes God is going to give you a measure of faith that will help you to be sustained through your test. That means you can pass every test. You can pass the test of your strength, the test of your character, the test of your will, the test of your commitment, the test of your loyalty, the test of your core values. You see, a lot of times, the individuals that God is grooming for greatness, it takes longer. Why? It takes longer to make wine than it does grape juice. And sometimes we don't understand what God is testing. He's testing your character. He's testing your stickability and your sustainability. He wants to know, why do you want to do this? He wants to know, where is your ego? Are you ego driven? Because if a title or lack of a title or lack of promotion makes you walk away from a commitment, It was never about God. It was never about his will. It was about your will, your want, your desire, your ego. It had nothing to do with the kingdom. And I've seen many people with promising futures walk out at the point that God was now bringing them into prominence. And when the winds blew, they could not be sustained because they took it on. They thought it was about them. It is not about you. It's not about how gifted you are, how talented you are. Listen, if God God gets desperate, he'll use a crow. He'll use a donkey. And aren't you more than a sparrow? But you can pass every test. You can pass the test of your strength. You can pass the test of your character. You could pass the test of your will. Where you're able to be taken in Gethsemane. Where you don't want to do something. But God is saying, you got to do it. I don't want to forgive them. You got to forgive them. I don't want to stay. You got to stay. I don't want to give. You got to give. I don't want to love. You got to love. And when you get to your Gethsemane, where God is testing your will, when you are able to say, not my will, but thy will be done. That's the test of your will. When you're straining and you could walk away, but you don't. You could give up, but you don't. When you are able to say, God, I don't have any will left. And God whispers in your ear. It is me that works in you both to will and to do of my good pleasure. There's a measure of faith to pass every test. God gave him faith to survive bankruptcy. And one of the things I decree and declare, your finances are fit for the next breakthrough. You're going to have a financial breakthrough. You are. Because so many people today, 
They have given and they've given and they've given and now they've given up. They've given up on tithes. They're giving up on offering. They're giving up on seed and they don't believe it. And that is because we are operating with world principles trying to do kingdom work. So if you're going to do kingdom work, you got to do it with kingdom principles. And so we have one foot in the world, one foot in the church. And so we have this option. If this doesn't work, I'm going to get me a second job. Because <laughs> we always have an option to make money. And what God is going to restore, he's going to restore our understanding of kingdom economics and biblical finances. Let me just give you a few more. There's a measure of faith for everything. Esther was given a measure of faith to defeat the enemies of Israel, to deliver her people from ethnic cleansing. God sovereignly put her in place, a position where she was married to someone that was influential. They didn't talk about her. They talked about her husband. She was just the king's wife. But God had a plan for that marriage. And sometimes we don't understand when we get married young and nobody is saved. And then you get saved, all of a, a sudden, your husband's a demon. Well, he wasn't a demon, you know, back then. He was your boo. The sanctified woman sanctifies the husband. And the bed is undefiled in marriage. God blesses the covenant of marriage. Are you with me? And sometimes God allows you to get saved before your husband. Because he has a plan for you being there. Sometimes your husband is carrying the seed that he deposits in your womb that ends up being the next doctor or the next lawyer or the next president or the next apostle or the, or the next prime minister or the next prophet. And sometimes we want to turn our husbands into an apostle and they ain't even saved. You can get a prayer through when your husband can't. The two shall be one. Are you with me? Don't, don't beat your husband over the head because he's not saved. Ask God, God, what is the purpose behind here? What do you have in mind? Don't just run off and get a divorce. The deacon that you might end up marrying may be worse than the husband you're leaving. Today, if you, you, you married, it's difficult to find good man. And not everybody that's saved is a good man. I, I, I had one lady that took counsel, counsel from me. And she said, I don't know if I want to stay married with my husband. He's not saved. And so I asked her, was he saved? Uh, uh, when you got married? No. Were you saved when you got married? No. So both of you were in the same place. So what do you think the problem is? Do you think he's just trying to get away from you, nagging him? And I gave her a strategy. I said, I want you to go home, do this. And do it every time you go to church and watch your husband change. So I gave her this strategy. Every time she went to church, eventually her husband kept coming home until he started cooking, until he stayed home, until he kept saying, you sure uh, your church is not having a revival? He started calling the pastor and telling him, I think you should, should have another revival. I think you should have another revival every month because of the strategy I gave her, right? Now her husband is home, coming home all the time. And then guess what happens? She calls me and said, well, what am I going to do? What are you going to do about what? My husband's getting on my nerve. Why is he getting on your nerve now? Because he's always home. <laughs> I need some time for myself. Well, what do you want? Find out what is the purpose for this relationship. The thing about this story and the faith that God gave this woman is so remarkable. Her calling changed the trajectory of an entire nation. And guess what? 
Her only qualification was that she won a beauty contest. That's it. She didn't have no other qualifications. She didn't have a degree in political science. She didn't have a degree in social justice. She didn't have a degree in law. She wasn't a skilled lobbyist, but she was God's ambassadors. And God put high heels in high places. In other words, she was married to a mover and a shaker and a history maker. And her job was to make him happy. And sometimes we have good men that may not be home all the time. And, 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 and we're like, you're always going out. And he says, well, I'm trying to put some, you know, bring money home. I'm trying to make you comfortable. But I just want to be with you. Okay? So now that he's home, you can't buy those designer bags and designer. Why, why you don't go out to work? You've got to be able to find your purpose outside of your relationship with a person. You've got to bring that pur- purpose to the table. In other words, you are playing a role as the wife or a role as the husband. But outside of the role that you are playing, what is the purpose? What is the purpose? Is there a purpose that God will have for you? The world needs individuals to play an active role in solving problems. And sometimes God uses your marriage to do it. God is going to give you a measure of faith within your marriage that if you are the only one saved, sometimes it's his network that God is after. Sometimes it's his friends that God is after. Sometimes it's an entire industry that God is after. Find out why God wants you in that relationship. Let me give you a few more. God gave Jephthah a measure of faith to overcome rejection and to go on to become an incredible leader. Rejection has a way of undermining and sabotaging our destiny because we just focus on the rejection and people rejected me and people always reject me. Rejection is redirection. Rejection simply means that that place, that person, that relationship, that organization, that company no longer has the capacity for your growth and your greatness. And so when they rejected him, it was just a sign that he had to grow and progress outside of a relationship. See, this is what happened to Joseph. Joseph was rejected. Jephthah was rejected. Jesus was rejected. The stone that the builders rejected. Why? There was no organism, no organization, no temple, no synagogue, no government, no community that had the capacity for his greatness. So he had to work outside of the system, outside of relationships. This is what happened to Joseph. His entire family rejected him. But it was because of God's plan for Joseph's life. Joseph was not only going to save a nation, he was going to save his family. Because that nation would have annihilated his family. Are you with me? Sometimes God pushes you outside To bring you back inside so that you can be the solution. So you've got to be careful. And you've got to be able to say over and over, okay, God is going to give me a measure of faith. When I'm rejected, it's because I've outgrown this. I've outgrown this relationship. I've outgrown this ministry. I've outgrown. You don't have to be bitter about it. You've got to be like Joseph saying, you meant it for bad. But I I look back and see the hand of God in each stage of my life. You've got to trust God in the midst of rejection, knowing that God is not going to leave you. It means that maybe God is refining you so that you can go back to be a blessing. Your rejection doesn't define you, it refines you. 
Just, you've just got to be able to say, and I hear so many people over and over, this person doesn't like me. This person has rejected me. I don't fit in anywhere. Maybe you should not be fitting in. Maybe God is raising you up to eventually go back and lead. Because Jephthah, they had to come back and ask Jephthah, would you lead us? You're the only one that qualifies. You're the only one with courage. We see your leadership ability. People always come back. But when they come back, will they find you bitter? All you need to do is say, I understand. No, no hard feelings. You rejected me because you don't have capacity for my greatness. I've outgrown this. I've outgrown you. And I'm good with that. Are you getting this? A lot of people are upset and they're emotional and they're confused and they keep thinking about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, this person did this, this, go on with your life. They're going on with their life. They're not even thinking about you. You're giving them too much ear time. John was given a measure of faith. After he had been beaten, isolated, and left for dead, the heavens opened over his life, and God gave him a divine revelation. And he could have sat and soured and thought about all the people that beat him. But he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. When you go to church, are you in the spirit or out of the spirit? Elijah was given a measure of faith to prophesy to a country when it was not trending. It was trending that everyone was under the influence of Jezebel. Now, let's just get this spirit of Jezebel right. Just because someone didn't want to do what you tell them to do, doesn't make them a Jezebel. Just because someone has their own opinion, just because someone has a strong personality. You see, the people we call Jezebels are not really Jezebels. They could be a Martha. (laughs) You know, they just could have relational uh, challenges where, you know, they're good at what they do, but they're bossy. Just because a person is bossy, it doesn't mean that they're Jezebel. The spirit of Jezebel comes from a very insidious place, comes from a very dark place. uh, That person makes a covenant with Satan. That's some serious stuff. And most people in church are not Jezebel. They just have relationship challenges. They're Martha's. And so many people have been hurt off of that because someone misdiagnosed. It's easy for us to call everybody a demon. But what about you? You can't see yourself? The scripture says, take the telephone pole from out of your eye before you take the toothpick from out of mine. So you're walking around with a telephone pole, knocking everybody out like, let me help you with that toothpick. Everybody's unconscious around you because you knocked everybody out. You can't see the big beam, the big telephone pole in your eye. It's easy to say someone has a spirit, but you do too. You got a judgmental spirit. Are you with me? Turn to your neighbor and say, mind your own business. Elijah did something that was unpopular. And that was to call a spirit out that was prevailing over a nation. And there were some things that are happening in the United States of America. And we're going to be tested in the area. Not to judge, but to say to people, you can be delivered from that. Are you with me? Solomon was given a measure of faith to build a beautiful temple. Mary was given a measure of faith to carry the word. Daniel was given a measure of faith to survive the lion's den. The three Hebrew boys used their faith to survive the fiery furnace. You know, when the heat is on you and the pressure is great and darkness prevail, you are being processed. And the very thing that binds you going in 
will burn up before you come out. It's going to burn up before you come out. You've got to understand that there's a measure of faith for everything. Let me bring this to a conclusion. Deborah used her measure of faith to overcome sexism. Are you seeing, are you seeing this? Ruth used a measure of faith as an immigrant to overcome the loss of her husband and then to become a baroness of billions. Ruth used her faith as an immigrant. Paul and Silas was given a measure of faith to be delivered from imprisonment. There were some born-again believers that end up in prison. But while they were in prison, God delivered them. And they were delivered because of their worship and praise. Jacob was given a measure of faith to overcome stigmas. Naaman was given a measure of faith to be healed. Not only that, but when you look at it, Gideon was given a measure of faith. Hannah was given a measure of faith. Zerubbabel was given a measure of faith. Noah was given a measure of faith. Sarah was given a measure of faith. Each individual was given a measure of faith to survive the storm that they were in. Storms come in all shapes and all sizes. And my storm may not look like your storm, but each one of us are going to have to be in, in, in faced with a storm. What happened with them is this that their faith had died. The word had become dormant. And what God is going to do, he's going to wake the word up in you. The greatest challenge of the church is to convert Christians into believers. Believers that believe the word. Believers that use the word. That not only pray about their circumstance, but use the word to speak to their circumstance. In our text, the Bible said that Jesus was awakened and he spoke to the storm what Jesus was doing is helping them and he would be their greatest object lesson and their object lesson was this that even if you are in a storm you don't have to take on the storm the storm was an object lesson and it was a metaphor for the things that were going on in their mind and when Jesus spoke peace to the storm he was not only speaking Speaking to the wind without. He was also speaking to the wind within. The wind represents demonic philosophies that we take on that are contrary to the word of God. The wind represents satanic philosophies that challenge the word on the inside of us. And when you take it on, oftentimes what God will demand is that God will help you or empower you or you would allow God to empower you to replace your fears, to refocus your faith and understanding that wherever storm you are going through, you can make it through. Why? Because when you have faith, faith helps you to transcend any situation. The scripture says now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What does that mean? It simply means that faith gives you the ability to transcend any situation. The word transcend means to surpass. It means to exceed. It means to overcome. It means to outdo, outclass. It means to outshine. It means to upstage. In other words, whatever you are faced with, God is going to give you the ability to overcome. In other words, when there was water covering the earth, when the earth could not be seen God spoke and said let there be a division on the waters which were beneath from the waters which were above and dry land came up over the water in other words to overcome means to come up over it means that you're going to transcend it means you're going to surpass it means you're going to exceed it means you're going to outdo it means that no weapon formed against you whatever outshine you whatever 
whatever overshadow you, whatever outshine you, whatever throws shade on you, whatever upstage you, it means that God is going to cause you to excel no matter what is going on. I decree and declare that these are your greatest days of accomplishing great things for God, that the storm is here. And though you may be going through a storm, the storm will not destroy you. These are your greatest days. These are your greatest days of witty invention. These are your greatest days of leadership. These are your greatest days of spearheading new things. These are your greatest days. Your limitations are over. God is bringing you into a realm where now you are able to exercise your dominion. Dominion has to do with authority. Dominion has to do with mastery. Dominion has to do with control. Dominion has to do with power. Dominion has to do with rule. Dominion has to do with command. You are not a victim of circumstance. I decree and declare that your sp the spirit of victimization is being delivered or driven away from you. You may have come in wondering who you were. You may have come in at your weakest point. You might have showed up not knowing that the storm didn't come. Hallelujah for your demise. The storm came so that God can activate hallelujah the dominion in you you were created after the image and after the likeness of God God said let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion dominion gives you a authority over the enemy dominion gives you mastery over your emotion dominion gives you control over situation dominion gives you command hallelujah over your morning dominion gives you the power to get wealth dominion gives you the right to rule in this earth realm as heaven's uh, uh, representative dominion is the first law of success and prosperity dominion does not eliminate the problem but gives you the power to overcome it it gives you divine strategies to prevail i decree and declare whatever you are faced with god is releasing you into a new level of dominion what jesus demonstrated to the disciples in the middle of the storm he demonstrated how to have dominion there were 12 areas that you have to have dominion over and today God is going to give you the dominion over it God is going to give you dominion over your emotion you are going to have dominion over shame you are going to have dominion over regret you are going to have dominion over fear you are going to have dominion over over anxiety you are going to have dominion over failure you are going to have dominion over depression you are going to have dominion over frustration. You are going to have dominion over fatigue. I decree and declare you are getting your momentum back. You are getting your peace back. You are getting your vision back. You are getting your focus back. You are going to have dominion over your emotion. The second area you're going to have dominion over. You're going to have dominion over circumstance. You're going to have dominion over over pain. Number four, dominion over your past. Number five, dominion over your health. Number six, dominion over this world. Number seven, dominion over your words. Number eight, dominion over your flesh. Number nine, dominion over your thought life. Number ten, dominion over your enemies. Number eleven, dominion over your relationship. Number twelve, dominion over your finances. But it's going to start
Lord when you wake the word up. The Bible said when they went through the storm they came a point where they came to their wits end and it was at their wits end they woke Jesus up. I decree and declare you are about to wake the word up and the word is about to be woken up in your life. Put it to work when you work your words the word will work for you it's time for you to release the word in your situation heaven and earth shall pass away but not one jot not one tittle of God's word is going to hallelujah pass away God has already prepared the solution for your problem it was prepared before the foundation of the world God has already prepared the solution for the problem you just have to speak the word God has already prepared the breakthrough before the breakdown you just need to speak the word God has already prepared the finances for your debt God has prepared the wisdom you would need before you make a decision God has prepared the healing before the sickness the victory before the battle the strength before the weakness the strategy before the crisis wake the word up God will give you wisdom for complex issues solutions for unique problems answers for difficult questions courage to face your greatest fear insight to see beyond the obvious and confidence in his ability to cause everything to work together for good stop calling your friends and waking your friends up in the middle of the night they need what you need wake the word up in the midst of lack God has a word for abundance wake the word up in the midst of the feeling of loneliness God has angels to protect you wake the word up when you feel weak you've got the anointing to depend on wake the word up whenever you need a breakthrough God has a breakthrough for you wake the word up God will give you confidence wake the word up God will give you authority use the word use the word hallelujah for uh, releasing the blessing of Abraham use the word when you need boldness use the word when you need hallelujah deliverance use the words when you need clothes use the word when you need courage use the word when you need deliverance use the word when you need health use the word when you need counsel use the word when you need dominion use the word for salvation use the word to stimulate your faith use your word to remind you of the faithfulness of God use the word for your family use the word for favor use the word for fellowship with God use the word for finances use the word for forgiveness use the word for healing use the word over your friendship use the word for fruitfulness use the word to activate the grace use the word hallelujah for greatness use the word for guidance use the word for goodness use the word for healing use the word to get to heaven use the word for help use the word for honor use the word for hope use the word for everything that you're faced with there's a word for longevity there's a word for love there's a word for marriage there's a word for mercy there's a word for miracles there's a word for ministry there's a word for multiplication there's a word for national prominence there's a word for overcoming there's a word for everything there's a word for peace there's a word for 
power. There's a word for prayer. There's a word for promotion. There's a word for prosperity. There's a word for protection. There's a word for provision. There's a word for peace. There's a word for rest. There's a word for restoration. There's a word for riches. There's a word for righteousness. There's a word for salvation. There's a word for security. There's a word for salvation. There's a word for soundness of mind. There's a word for spiritual warfare. There is a word for strength. There is a word for truth. There is a word for understanding. There is a word for victory. There's a word for women. There's a word for wholeness. There's a word for work. Instead of allowing the word that is preached to you week after week, year after year, to lie dormant, wake the word up and put it to use. Thank you, Jesus. I realize that this is a little longer than usual, but I didn't know where the comfortable place was to stop. Um, but this text spoke a lot to me. As I was sitting last night, I, I sat up uh, until early this morning, just sitting and uh, viewing this. And I realized that this particular um, message is probably a 10-part message. Um, and I said to Pastor Ryan, I don't know where to stop, so I'm not going to stop. Um, we want to just take what we've done, lay it as a foundation, and then begin to build your faith to move from point A to point B, whatever your point A is. You don't have to explain why you're there. You don't have to explain why you're feeling it but we could figure out where your point B is and get you there. And your point B is what we call destiny. And we want to make sure that your destiny is in proper alignment with God's will for your life. All of us have to face storms. All of us. The disciples were being taught how to activate and exercise their dominion. So God in his sovereignty allowed. And I know I said a lot and, I, and I'm going to get a chance to excavate all of these concepts. God in his sovereignty allowed. Sovereignty means that God can do whatever he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how long he wants to do it, with whoever he wants to do it. But he also reserves the right not to do what lies within his power to do. So that's the sovereignty of God, right? So in his sovereignty... He allowed the storm, but in the midst of the storm, it became a defining moment that altered their destiny because it was an invitation into a, a new realm called dominion. They had learned behaviors. They had learned how to blame when stuff was going wrong. But here was the object lesson. Jesus was able to say, I'm in the same storm, the same wind. But I want to show you how to survive the storms of life. Number one, refuse to be a victim of any circumstance refusing. Don't walk out of here with a victim's mentality. Number two, if God allows it, He'll give you the measure of faith to overcome it. Do you notice? To overcome it. It means that if you're overcoming, where you end up is in a higher plane than what you started. Number three, object lesson again. This is how you exercise your dominion. Rest in the word. And number two. Use the word. And number three, expect the outcome. A lot of us are using the word, but we're not expecting it. The object lesson was about 
taking their faith, faith to the next level and showing them there's a measure of faith for everything, but it's got to be exercised in the dimension called dominion. What God is restoring in this season, he's restoring us back to a place of dominion. And each one of you, when you walk out of here, you came here and God puts a comma to your life. You have a time to be refreshed. You have a time to be restored. You have a time of respite. But when we pronounce the benediction, guess what's going to happen? You're going to walk out of here. And you're going to have to face life again. When you go out there, you've got to remember who you are and who God is. And then you've got to begin to put your faith to work. Start off where you are. Don't just pray about your circumstance. Speak to it. And release the word into your situation. The moment you release that word, stuff happens in the realm of the spirit. I told you I didn't forget the story of the fig tree. And I'm going to give it here right now. Jesus spoke to it. And the disciples looking like, there he goes again. That decree and declare stuff. And walks off. Because on the outside, nothing happened. But when they came back out of the city... And they walked past. The tree was dried up at the root. When you walk out of here and you begin to speak to your situation, you begin to decree decree the word over, over your finances, over your marriage, over your health. The leaves might still be there. Why? Because it takes a little while for the leaf to get the message that it's died at the root. The moment you speak, your situation changes. The symptoms may be there. It may take a little while for those symptoms to catch up. This is with you that are struggling with sickness and disease, struggling in your finances and marriages. You remember when you had your first breakthrough, when you got saved, you remember that, what that felt like. You remember where your faith was. God is going to restore you back. To that level of faith in him. You're built to survive the storm. In Jesus name. Amen. How many of you got anything out of this? We've given you as, as many examples as we possibly can. In other words, each one of our storms are different. And each measure of faith is going to be commensurate to what you're facing with whether it's creating a new business, whether it's starting all over again, whether it's being healed from a broken relationship, a divorce, whether you've lost your job, whether you don't have any money. You cannot start where you're not. You can only start where you are. But where you are, God is going to dispense the measure of faith that you need to make it through this storm. I see all of you, and I'm here for all of you. That's why I'm here. Numbers are inconsequential. Assignment is. I breach the same way with a million as I would with one. Exact same way. Because sometimes it only takes one to make a difference. And I don't know if that one is you, but it's somebody in here who's going to the next level. Somebody in here whose purpose, whose time has come for their purpose. God is not playing games with you. What you want wants you. And what you're feeling on the inside like it's got to be something more. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, there is something more. I thank you so much. There's a lot of places you could have been, but you decided to hang out with me. This is my life group right here. And I love you. And I want the best for you. I want success and prosperity. But when I walk out of here, I can only live my life. I can't live my life for you. You've got to live your life. 
This is not a dress rehearsal. You and they have one life to live. And if this is a new chapter that God is about to write in your book of life, let's make it epic. Let's make it a bestseller. Let's make it a page turner. When you walk out of here, guess what's going to happen? The car might break down. Your car might be repossessed. Listen to me carefully. You might lose your house. You might. Because that happens every day. But if that happens, don't scream like I gave this and I gave that. Maybe in the sovereignty of God, he's allowed it to bring the best out of you. Things that are lying dormant, gifts and talents that were screaming, looking for a platform of expression. You might just find that platform in the midst of your crisis. You're going to discover who you really are in the presence of your problem. Amen. Ready to pray? You have your circumstance. You have your situation. How many of you are going through something? How many of you have a boat that's taken on water? The Bible said, and they began to take on water. You know what that meant? The boat not only took on water, but they were swallowing water as well. The water, the waves were so high. Have you ever been to the beach where you were swimming and an undertow hit you and you felt like you were drowning and you were taking water in? Well, that's what it felt like to them. But you're not going to drown. You're going to come up over. What's your situation? What's your circumstance? We have a prophetic comma. We have a time to hear, to gain perspective. But when you go out there, life is going to hit you. It's going to happen. And I want you to wake the word up. It's there. You've had a lot of sermons, a lot of messages. The word is there. Wake it up and put it to use. Amen. Let's put your hands up. It doesn't have to be high. Right where you are, God knows how to locate you. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're faced with. He knows your challenges. He knows you need a breakthrough. You need healing. He knows you gave up. He knows you've been disappointed. He knows that you've been betrayed. He knows that you're waiting for your financial breakthrough. He knows that you need that car note. The mortgage. He knows that you're waiting for the person that promised you. He knows that you loaned some money and that person has never paid you back. He knows the feeling that you feel when you were two and three and five and ten and you were rejected and you were abused and you were molested and you were beaten. He knows what you're carrying. He knows every secret. He knows the shame that is attached to that pain. He knows the hurt. He knows the depth of it. He knows what your father didn't do. He knows the abandonment and how it hurt you. He knows how you can't trust. You want to trust. And sometimes you don't even trust him. He knows how weak you are. He knows about the mistakes that you make. You don't want to make them, but you make them anyway. He knows about your addictions. He knows about your habits. Nothing is going to come as a surprise to him because he knows it. But you don't have to hang out in the anointing. You can come up over that. You could defy the odds. You could get your ability to dream again, to believe again, and hope again. Let the tears come down. You're in a safe place. He knows... That you're standing here right now wanting to believe, but you can't. He knows that you want to feel, but you can't. You're afraid of feeling. Because you're afraid of being disappointed one more time. And you want to believe, but you believed last week and last year and nothing happened. When you walk out of here, you got to walk out of here facing family, facing friends, dealing with lies, dealing with betrayal, dealing with gossip. When you walk out of here, you got to deal with the fact that your husband betrayed you. 
You got to deal with the fact that nobody believes in you. Nobody trusts you. Nobody helps you. But right in the midst of your storm, when you walk out of here, you're going to get God's word on it. And you're going to begin to speak to it. You're going to call those things that be not as though they were. And you're going to trust God in the midst. And God is going to increase your faith. And you are going to go from faith to faith. And the next time we come together in our Bible study, you are going to have a testimony. You're going to get your joy back. You're going to get your peace back. You're going to get your mojo back. You're going to have new friends to re- replace the fake fr- frenemies. You're going to be able to stand up in the workplace. They're not going to be able to use you like they're using you. Because you're going to now take your personal power back. The people that rejected you, you're going to say, okay, I see the wisdom of God. And you're going to get God to work in you both to willing you to do of his good pleasure. And he's going to give you the measure of faith to forgive. You're going to say, I don't feel like I've forgiven. And you're going to do it 70 times 7 until one day you wake up and that feeling is going to be gone. It's going to be gone. And you're going to do it every day. You're going to say, I forgive you. And you're not going to say it to them. You're going to say it in the atmosphere. Because if you release it in the atmosphere, there's no time, no place, no geographical location that will prohibit that word from finding that individual and God working. To change the circumstances around. If you have hurt people and disappointed people and they found out something that you said, God is going to heal that relationship too. Because God is going to give you a measure of faith to pick the telephone up to say, I'm sorry. Are you ready to receive your measure of faith? Our Lord and our Savior, we thank you right where we stand. Each one of us are faithed with and challenged by life. We're in the midst of our own kind of storm. But in the midst of the storm, you gave us the greatest object lesson. How the disciples woke the word up. And then the word went to work on their behalf. And I thank you, Father, that you would continue to speak to us. You would continue to give us principles of the kingdom. And you will continue to let the word work. I thank you now, Father. That this is a defining moment for each one of us. And where we are today, we will not be there tomorrow. Father, the DNA of destiny includes our faith and dominion. Increase our faith and elevate our mentality until we are walking out our dominion. Now unto him who is able to do the exceeding abundantly above all you can ask according to the power that works in us. Amen. Put your blessed hands together. Hallelujah. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.